0: Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. Good morning. Good morning. Randy knows I'm an emotional person, so I don't know why he would do that before I got up here. Oh, thank you guys for uh, for that. Um, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Uh, I'm so honored to be able to speak to you guys on such an important holiday, I think it is. Um, whew, nervous. Um, but I also wanted to start off by saying Thank you to Randy and Katie, because you guys are a wonderful example to us. I think as uh, we celebrate mothers, you know, we we think of them being so loving, and I think we have some awesome, loving pastors, and it's not always easy handing off the mic to someone, so for you to trust me on this special day, thank you so much for that. Um, Yeah, give them a round of applause, they're amazing. So I wanted to start off um, as you, well, you guys can have my uh, my slide up there. So the title of today's message is called The Not Perfect Mother. And if you are a mother, you know that we're not perfect. We make mistakes. It's it's a tough job. Um, you know, when, when you have a child, you know, they don't really take applications for this job. They're just like, here you go. And uh, so... It's, it's not something that we feel qualified for all the time. It's really difficult. And so as I was preparing this message, like Randy said, um, I, ha- I was very excited and I felt the Lord just pouring this into my heart right away. And even this week, I'm, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, like thank you for revealing that to me of how I'm not a perfect mom. And so on Wednesday nights, we have youth group, and Johnny and I usually uh, will get home from work, and then uh, Abby will come home from daycare. Abby is my four-year-old daughter. Um, if you haven't met her, she is a sassy little girl. Um, and she's very, I don't like to say bossy. I'll say authoritative. Um, but she's she's a very authoritative little four-year-old. and. Um, so on Wednesdays we we get ready for youth group. I'll usually start by giving her, her a bath. Johnny, and you know, it's beneficial. I have a husband who has OCD, so he's cleaning the house. I'm like, yes. Um, and I'm I'm you know giving Abby a bath. And as I'm giving Abby a bath, I'm washing her hair, and Johnny's coming around behind me in the bathroom, cleaning up behind me. And I don't know if this is like a normal 4-year-old thing, but it's a my 4-year-old thing where it's like hit or miss, 50-50 whether she flushes the toilet or not. I don't know if that's just me, but my daughter, uh, it's, it's, you know, doesn't happen all the time. So, we're getting ready and I'm washing her hair, Johnny goes to he's cleaning up and he goes to check the toilet to see if she she flushed and she didn't. And but all of a sudden I hear him make like a weird noise like I don't know if you if you've heard Johnny make his like laughs or noise he's just like like it's just noises it's weird and I'm like oh my gosh what and then I look and there's a little paw patrol sock in the toilet I'm like oh you've got to be kidding me and so immediately I turn to Abby who's in the tub and I'm I'm like Abby we don't stick socks in the toilet why would you do that that's disgusting that's gonna clog the and I'm just like I'm scolding her I'm letting her know we do not do this. And Johnny like is in shock for a minute and then he stops me and he goes, Ashley, I dropped the sock in the toilet. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so, so, and he did, I, I look over and I see he had gone behind me and picked up her, her dirty clothes that were on the floor, such a good husband. He picked up her dirty clothes and he was holding them. And when he went to go flush, he had dropped one of her socks in the toilet But here I am, scolding my four-year-old in the tub, who's just looking at me like, yeah, we don't always get it right. (laughs) This was just a story that happened this week. There are so many other stories where I'm just like, man, I am not a perfect mother. It's hard. It is. And so today, before I start, I'm going to start off in in prayer, but we're going to be reading Matthew chapter one, verse one is where we're going to start. So, uh, a lot of people, if you are familiar with uh, with Matthew one, it's we're, we're going to start off reading the genealogy, and it's a bunch of names, and it's something that we usually skip over. But there's an importance in reading about it, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But let's go ahead and start in prayer. God, we just thank you. We thank you that we're able to just be here in your presence this morning. God, I pray over every single person in this room that they hear your word. God, I pray that you use me. Speak what you need to speak. Let it not fall on deaf ears. Let every person in this room have open ears and an open heart to what it is that you're trying to speak to them. And in your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so we're gonna start reading the genealogy And before I read it, I want to do a little disclaimer. Some of these names are really hard. (laughs) And you guys get to read them silently. I have to read them out loud. Um, And again, I'm not a perfect mother, I'm not a perfect person, so give me grace. Um, I spend a lot of my time talking to a four-year-old, so uh, just bear with me and if something sounds wrong, take it up with Randy because he handed me the mic. So, all right. So Matthew chapter one, verse one, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac, the father of Jacob and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah, the father, father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar and Perez, the father of Hezron and Hezron the father of Ram and Ram the father of Amminadab and Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth and Obed the father of Jesse and Jesse the father of king or David the king and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph, Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah, Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. We're almost there guys, verse 12. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbiel, Zerubbiel the father of Abud, Abud the father of Elikim, Elikim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elu, Elu the father of Elizir, Elizir the father of Bathan. Matthew, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Amen. All right. <laughs> Woo! Good. Yeah, we did it. Okay. <laughs> so, before we get into the genealogy itself, there's something that you need to know that every single book in the Bible has a specific author. It's written to a specific audience, and it has a purpose or theme to it. And so when we're reading Matthew, we have to think, what is the purpose of it? Who is Matthew writing to? And so part of Matthew's goal in writing his gospel is to show that Jesus was the true Messiah in whom the Jews had been waiting for. And because of that, in this time, the Jewish people, they knew by prophecy, that the, the Messiah had to come from the line of David. And so it was important for Matthew to show that, but he even took it a step farther because who does the genealogy start with? It starts with Abraham. So he took it a step farther and not only showed the lineage and that went back to David, but he showed the lineage that went back to Abraham. And in Genesis 12, three, God tells Abraham, and in you, all the families of the earth Earth will be blessed. And so he took it that step farther. And so that's a super cool thing about Matthew's genealogy. Another interesting thing about Matthew's genealogy, you probably saw those highlighted words, is he included five women. And this was unheard of at the time because they focused mainly on the men, and that's how the lineage would be represented. Is they would show the father and then the son. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, now they showed some women in there. Why, why would, why would he do that? Why would he do that? And so, not only does he include women in the genealogy, but three of those women had some kind of sticky past. Um, they, they were probably people that you would say are. Definitely not perfect. And so we're going to look at a few of them. So there's Tamar. If you're not familiar with Tamar's story, she actually posed as a prostitute so that she could bear her children. And then we have Rahab, who was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. And then Bathsheba, who isn't even written in the genealogy as Bathsheba. She's written in there, as Uriah's wife. And so Bathsheba was the woman with whom David had committed adultery with. So why, if if Matthew's gonna put women in the genealogy, why would he include these women who had such sticky past? Why would he include them? And the purpose of that was to show that God is able to use anyone to accomplish his plan. Amen? That's good news for us, right? So he's able to use anyone. And the thing is is that God could have handpicked anyone. He's in control. He's all-knowing. He's he's powerful. He could have picked anyone to be in that genealogy, but he included not even just these women who we see who are not perfect, but many imperfect people to be included in the genealogy, which is good news for us. It shows how, how sovereign God is. And not just how sovereign he is, but his desire to take what is broken and make it new. So good. Matthew begins his gospel by showing us, and this isn't even just the beginning of of his book. This is the beginning of the New Testament. He begins the New Testament showing the legitimacy of Jesus and the redemptive power of God. So good. So what does that mean for us? Well, we're not perfect by any means, right? There's only one person who was perfect and lived a sinless life, and that's Jesus. And so we need to remember that just because we're not perfect doesn't mean we don't have a Savior who died on the cross for our sins. We may not be perfect, but he is, and he is a God who loves us and cares for us, and it's through him that we have righteousness, and that's good news for us, right? And that's where we get the word gospel from, is it's the good news. So let this be an encouragement to you that parents, we don't always get it right. We're not perfect, but we can trust in the one whose plan is always good. We can trust in his plan. We can trust in the one who takes broken people and makes them new. So that was the encouraging part of the message. (laughs) The next part of my message is going to be a challenging part. And it's really funny because every time I speak, I'm a very encouraging person. I'm like, yay, like rainbows and butterflies. And then the Holy Spirit just, and I'm like, oh, but I want to be encouraging. And he's like, challenge. And I'm like, ah, okay. I'm also a competitive person, so it's okay. Um, But this challenge part is a call for parents. And I know it's Mother's Day, and I feel like I should be like, yay, moms. And I am yay, moms. But also, there's a challenge that comes with being a mom. We have a responsibility. And it's not even just of mothers, it's of parents as a whole. And in this day and age, there's a lot of families who are, be, like, children are being raised by their grandparents, or they have spiritual role models and, and people outside of the family who are, who are helping and serving. And there's, there's more people than just the parents. So this is, this is a kind of blanket challenge for all of you people who have young people, children, teenagers, young adults in your life, um, to be able to lead them and serve them but mainly for parents. So um, so we're gonna be reading from Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And I love that word, might, because it means with all of your energy and all of your ability, okay? And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So we hear people say, have the word of God written on your heart, Well, the only way to have the word of God written on your heart is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all of your might. You're not gonna have it written on your heart if you don't care about it. You're not gonna have it written on your heart if you're just like, "Mm, some of my heart. No, it's saying all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might. And when you do that, as parents, we need to have that so that we have the word written on our heart. Well, why? Why do we need to have that? Well, verse seven, So you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. They will not know unless you teach them. I'm going to say that again. They will not know unless you teach them. It's important to have it written on your heart because if it's not on your heart, how can you teach them? I'm, I, I've been a photographer for about five years now, and when I first started photography, I didn't know anything about photography. So what would I do? I would look to people who did know about photography, and I would learn from them, and I would, I would let that seep into me. And I spent time on YouTube videos, mentorships, workshops, all of these things so that I could learn it. If I'm not spending time studying it and learning it, I'm not gonna know. And now that I've been, in, have had my business for five years, I'm at a place where I know it, I understand it. Okay, it's clicking, and I don't even really think about it, I just do it. But if someone were to come to me and say, I don't know anything about photography, I can be, I can say, okay, I can teach you. Why? Because I've studied it, because I understand it, because I've spent time learning about it. If we don't spend time learning about the word, and understanding the word if we don't know it ourselves how can we teach it right so we need to be the ones to teach our children we can't just leave it up to youth group we can't just leave it up to children's church i have a heart that loves to serve our youth ministry but we are just a resource to parents we are just a resource we have them for two well it's supposed to be an hour and a half but we have a lot of students who hang out a little bit later so usually around two hours we have two hours a week with your kids to pour into them which is great we love that keep them coming we love serving them but they're with at home with you they need to be able to see you do these things they need to be able to see you reading God's word. They need to be able to see you praying, you worshiping, you giving thanks, you serving. They need to see you put God first. They need to see you love others well. They need to see you make sacrifices. So I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I am a college student, and I'm actually a ministry college student, so of course I had to do a word study. Um, the original text of that Deuteronomy verse was in Hebrew. And so we're going to look at this Hebrew word um, for that s- verse 7 where it says, to teach to teach them. And the Hebrew word is pronounced like this. It says shenan. And I got really lucky because some Hebrew words are really hard to say. You have to have like phlegm in your throat and it sounds like you're choking on popcorn. And it's like, <sighs> and I got lucky because I didn't get one of those words. This one <laughs> is pronounced shenan and it means to teach. But it also means to sharpen. I'm like, ooh, okay, I like that. That's so cool. Because when I think of to sharpen, one thing that comes to mind when I think of to sharpen is to like when you when you say to someone like, ooh, you're sharp, like you know, quick witted and and you you think on your toes. Like you want you want you want, the, you want someone to be sharp. You know, you want them to be quick witted. But then there's another way that we think of to sharpen. We think of a sword or a weapon. And that's exactly what we need to do with our children. We're sharpening them, right? We're sharpening them. Well, why would we sharpen them? We sharpen them so that they can combat against the enemy. We, we sharpen them because Ephesians 6 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. That's what we need to sharpen them for. They need to be prepared to go out into this world to combat against the enemy, because the enemy doesn't care. He has a plan for them just like we do, just like God does, he's, he's scheming. He's plotting. He has plans for your children. And I don't say this to scare you, I tell you this because it's the truth. I see students come in youth ministry after after hard weeks. Man, they need to shake all that off. That's that stuff that's being taught to them. Man, if they're going to public school, they definitely aren't being taught godly values. We need to sharpen them. We need to make sure they're able to combat against the enemy. And how are they going to do that if we don't know it? If, as parents, we do not know the words to be able to sharpen them? The Bible says, this is the word, sharper than any double-edged sword. Let's equip them with that. There's this, uh, There's this quote, and it says, tell me, and I'll forget. Teach me, and I may remember. Involve me, and I'll learn. So parents, it's so important for you to know the word, and not just know it, to have it written on your heart, to have it all over your soul and to be able to love the Lord with all of your might. That's all of your ability, all of your energy. If all of my energy is going towards that, my daughter is gonna see that. My daughter's gonna know that about me. She's gonna know that and recognize it, that when, when times get hard, when we're in trouble, when things are just going south, what does mommy do? Well, mommy prays. Okay, now she's a teenager. Now she's hitting some hard times. Now she doesn't know what to do. What is she going to do? She's going to pray, because she saw mommy do it. These things we're not just just teaching them. They need to be a part of that with us. They need to be able to see, because I can tell you what you. T- I tell Abby to do stuff. I'll be like Abby, clean up your room. La da da. Like I tell her to do it, but when I I'm cleaning up the room with her is when she's actually going to clean up the room. When I'm in there with her, sitting down, cleaning it up, she's like, oh, mommy's cleaning, I'm cleaning, we're going to do it together. And so there's, there's something different that happens when there's involvement, when we're doing it together, when it's a family thing, when she is seeing that representation. We can't expect our kids to do things that we aren't even doing ourselves, right? If we're saying, oh, well... You know, Sunday, it's my only day off and I don't really want to go to church. Guess what? Your children are see that? They see you making excuses and making it making it sound like it's okay. So, you're not telling them that it's okay to do that. You're not saying, "Hey, it's okay if you skip youth group like if you're tired, if you had a long week at school." What you're what they're actually learning is by viewing you it's not the words that you're saying to them you're not saying hey it's okay they're seeing it and that's what they're receiving that's what they're learning children are sponges man they absorb all of that all of those things the good the bad they're taking it all in that's why we as parents need to rely on the word of god right It's important to pray for your children, but it's more important to teach them how to pray. It's important to read your Bible to your children, but it's even more important to teach them how to read the Bible themselves. It's important for you to have a relationship with God because as parents, we need that. Anybody, we need that. (laughs) Times are hard, okay? We need a relationship with God but it's even more important for you to teach your child how to have a relationship with God because that's what's gonna carry over. I don't care what sports my child plays, which by the way that she played soccer last year, I don't think that's an issue um, because she didn't do very good. She was chasing (laughs) butterflies. Um, But I don't care what sports she plays. I don't care if she gets straight A's. I mean, I care, but the most important thing isn't gonna be whether or not she's a straight A student, what college she gets into, if she's a D1 athlete, if she has a career that she makes thousands more than anyone else, if she's making millions. None of those things matter if I haven't done my job as a parent to prepare her for eternity. What we need to care about is our eternity of our children. How can we teach them to combat against the enemy if we don't know how to fight ourselves right we need to be parents who say anxiety depression identity crisis confusion you can't have my child we need to stand firm and say no not my child because I know the word as a parent I know the word I know what it means I know the value it has You can't have my child. We're not going to idly sit by anymore and say, enemy, oh, it's okay. No, enemy, you do not have a foothold in this house anymore. You do not have a foothold in my family. I'm going to stand up and fight because this is what God has called me to do. We have a responsibility to raise up our children in the way of the Lord. And how do we do that if we're not doing that ourselves? So I'm I'm closing out now. So worship team, you can go ahead and, and come back up. But here's the takeaways that I want you to know is one, we are not perfect, right? We said that in the beginning, but God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And we're made righteous only through him by believing and accepting that forgiveness. It is a lot of work to be a parent. And there's value in realizing that we can't do it on our own. We need God. We are not perfect. Let's look to the one who is perfect for guidance, right? And then the second thing I want you to take away is that we need to teach our children God's word to sharpen them. As we're closing now, I'm gonna have you guys bow your heads and close your eyes. If this was the first time that you've heard this message and it pierced your soul of God sending his son to die on the cross for you, that we are not perfect and there's nothing we can do to be righteous on our own. But through the blood of Jesus and accepting His salvation and forgiveness, that's what makes us whole. If that was your first time hearing that and you'd like to give your life to God today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to have that obedience in your heart to accept that. If you've heard that before and maybe it's ringing a little bit differently today and you want to recommit your life to Christ, this is a moment that you can do it. You're saying, I've been doing it wrong. God, I surrender. Thank you for Jesus on the cross. Go ahead and raise your hand. Amen. And we're gonna pray this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead i turn from my sins and i invite you to come into my heart i want to trust you i want to follow you thank you for being my lord and savior amen amen i'm gonna have you guys stand with me real quick while i i'm closing out Like I said, I wanted this to be an encouraging message and the Holy Spirit was just like, no, you need to challenge them. You need to challenge these parents. And so I'm gonna challenge you one last time. These altars are open and what I so desperately want to see is I wanna see an army of parents who are gonna say, God, I'm not perfect. God, I need your help. God, being a parent, it's a hard task, I know it. But won't you come before God? Be an example, show your children because we can ask your children all the time, oh, do you accept God? Oh, do you do you want forgiveness? Oh, come to the altar. But if they don't see their parents do that, how can we ask them to do it? How can we ask them to lay their heavy burdens down at the cross when we don't do it as parents and we need it daily? We can't ask them to do that if we're not willing to do that ourselves. So parents, I'm challenging you in this moment to teach your children, show them what that looks like. Moms, not just you, parents, grab the dads, grab the moms. If you're a grandparent, come down to the altar. In this moment, I want you to have that desire in your heart to seek after him, to ask for his help, because we need it, we need it for this generation. The world is a dark place. And if we're not raising them to be the light, What are we doing? What are we doing as parents? So I'm gonna invite you to come down to the altar. If you have your children with you in this room, bring them down with you. I want families to be down here praying. So go ahead and start coming out of your seats. Come to the altars. We're gonna go into a time of worship. Nobody's doing it, challenging you right now. Parents, we're raising up an army of people who are gonna be believers. Parents, get out of your seats and come to the front. I want them to see you. I want them to see that they can trust in the Lord. Why? Because my parents do. Why? Because they're laying everything down for you. I'm sick of saying that there's no redemption for this church, this generation. They need to see it. They need to know that you are parents who believe. They need to know that you are praying over them. The greatest thing you can give your child is praying over them. Let them hear you pray over them. Let them know it. And let them see it with their eyes. We are not going to have prayer teams because guess what, parents, you are the prayer warriors. We are raising you up to be prayer warriors. When you leave these walls, you need to know how to pray for your children. You need to be able to bow down before God and say, God, I give you my child. I give you all of it. The only way that we can lead this next generation is if we're willing to submit, if we're willing to surrender to God. Parents, pray over your families. Pray over your children. Ask God for redemptiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. God, give us your righteousness. God, nothing that we can do, nothing that we can do can earn salvation. God, it's through you. It's the blood of Jesus. God, we thank you for that. God, we we pray over these parents. We pray over parents who are willing to surrender to you, who are willing to lead by example, who are willing to understand that it's through you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Pray over your children. Let them hear you. This doesn't end now. When we leave this building, when we leave these four walls, we need to know how to pray for our children.
1: Enemy, you can't have them.
0: You're done having your way in our household. You're done. Thank you. Continue to pray. And we're going to sing this song of worship. And I want you guys to declare it. Declare it over your families. Declare it over your household. Just begin to declare that. Oh, my sweet, with Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz